I want to thank uh, Chris and the clergy here for putting their unfounded trust in me. Uh, and also, thank you for your patience. <clears throat> I'd like to talk today about mountaintop experiences. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, the most extraordinary things happened on mountaintops. Uh, the first one that I can mention is Abraham, who almost sacrificed his only son, Isaac, uh, before he was stayed by God's hand, and this took place on a mountaintop. It was this event that solidified Abraham's relationship with God. Uh, Moses, of course, his life completely changed on Mount Sinai when he encountered the burning bush. And also Elijah, uh, who had been pursued by uh, a lot of people because of his prophecies and because of his ministry, was about to give up until he went to Mount Horeb and then God spoke to him in a whisper. So I think it's safe to say that each of these events is a, a mountaintop experience where each of these people attained a heightened emotional state, perhaps even a dream state during these moments. And as we know, or I think we know, these events are rare and fleeting. But the Christian Bible, the New Testament, also bears its share of mountaintop experiences. Uh, the one we hear about in today's gospel is so important to Christians that it actually was given a feast day on August 6th. That's why we're celebrating that today instead of a usual Sunday service. The word transfiguration essentially means a change in appearance a transition from a normal state to a heightened, brighter, more beautiful state. In other words, something ordinary becomes extraordinary. And this story is found in three out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The versions in Matthew and Mark are almost identical, almost word for word. Uh, it's the same, same deal. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountaintop where his appearance changes, his face shines, and his clothes become dazzlingly white. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Moses and Elijah appear, and Jesus is conferring with them. Uh, and then uh, Peter is so blown away by this that he says, it's really good that we're here, Lord. Let's build you some dwellings, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for, for you. But as soon as he says that, a cloud comes up over the mountain. A voice comes out of a cloud saying, essentially, this is my son. I've chosen him. Believe in him. Um, and then the voice goes away. Moses and Elijah go away. And Jesus is back to normal. Everything's quiet. And then in, in Matthew and Mark, Jesus says, do not tell anyone about this until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Now Luke, at the end of that gospel, uh, everybody's just quiet. They don't, they don't talk to one another. So it's probably a similar thing going on. But the main difference uh, in Luke that I want to point out is that 
there is a description of the disciples as being weighed down with sleep, but remaining awake to witness this glorified state of Jesus. So this makes me think that the disciples might have been in a dream state. And that also leads me to question, why didn't Jesus take other disciples up to the mountaintop? Why was it just Peter, James, and John? Well, I'm going to leave James and John out of this for now because, well, John, for instance, experienced one of the great mountaintop experiences in the book of Revelation. And James, we know a little bit about James because he was a pilgrim, and he is the patron saint of pilgrimage. So he might have been somebody who was revered for his vision. But Peter is not normally known as someone who was a visionary. Um, but just before the transfiguration takes place, in each of the three Gospels, this event takes place just a few days before. I'm going to read you the one in Luke. Once, when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has come back. He said to them, But you, who do you say that I am? And then immediately, Peter answered, The Messiah of God. So I would like to say, or like to think, that Peter maybe had a little bit more insight than we give him credit for. Um, I would like to think that all three of these disciples were very open to the possibility of having a dream experience or a mountaintop experience, and that Jesus picked up on that and brought them along. So focusing on Peter, at first glance, when he says he wants to build dwellings for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, it seems like an odd request. Does he really want to stay up on the mountain forever? Sort of like a little monastery-type situation? I don't think so. Uh, the word dwelling is a loose translation from the Greek word skena, uh, which is where we get our word for scene, as in a stage scene. Um, this word can be translated to mean tent, or booth, or tabernacle, even. So in each of those cases, it is a temporary dwelling, like a shelter. And I believe that Peter knew this was going to be a temporary situation, but he wanted to hold on to it for as long as he could uh, before having to go back down to the mountain, from the mountain, to the real world. So I want to say that musicians, like me, better musicians than I, experience this quite a lot, quite a lot, I think. Uh, they take what is essentially a piece of paper with marks on it, music score, and they work on it and work on it and internalize it to such a point that it becomes part of their being. And in an ideal musical performance is not just a rote playback of the notes, it is interpreted through the aesthetic bent of the performer. And at its most extreme, it can be a true dream state in which the performer basically, effortlessly, transfigures an ordinary page of music into something 
extraordinary. And I myself have experienced this a couple of times. Not often enough, I'm afraid. And very often, when I have experienced it, it's been during a practice session when no one's around to hear me. <laughs> and um, so it's an exercise in futility because if I try to recreate that, it never happens, never happens. It is a fleeting moment. It comes from somewhere and it goes away as quickly as it came. Yet, it is that brief, fleeting moment that nevertheless makes you want to keep doing what you're doing in the hopes that you'll experience it again. Um, as a side note, this is even remotely unrelated, but I used to have a golf partner who I witnessed hit holes in one twice. <laughs> to my chagrin, because I've never had one. But again, it's those shots that make you keep coming back to a very frustrating game. <laughs> anyway, Peter wanted to hold on to that moment, as all of us would. Uh, he couldn't, but the experience clearly made him want to continue to learn and ultimately pursue his ministry to the end. And you could, of course, hear that in the epistle today. Now, what about us here at St. John's? Well, I would like to offer up the notion that this is our weekly mountaintop. Um, during the high point of the service here, during the Eucharist, an ordinary piece of bread and some wine are basically transfigured into something extraordinary. This glorified state of the body and blood of Jesus is partaken by us shared by us, and, very importantly, mirrored by us, because we are all the body of Christ. And everybody here comes with their own issues, their own day-to-day -day concerns, and even varying degrees of belief. Uh, but hopefully, after this mountaintop experience, um, we can set aside these moments even for an hour, and we leave as a more unified body, having had at least a small glimpse of the eternal. Because of that, it's very important, at least to me, that the elements of what we do here on Sunday morning, these elements are magnified and heightened so that the church, for instance, looks different than your living room, for instance. Um, the music is hopefully well-planned and well-executed uh, so that we all might be lifted up. The preaching is inspiring, thanks to our clergy. And it is, I, I think. Um, and the atmosphere here, both coming from the music, the preacher, the flowers, and you, that the atmosphere is both reverent, and welcoming. So even if we don't achieve this dream state here, even if we don't find the mountaintop experience here, we should always strive for that, because even if we don't have the mountaintop experience, we can at least try for a hilltop experience, which would make, I think, such a difference, because it keeps us coming back, and it keeps us going. When we're done here, though, we have to go back down the mountain, we have to go back to the plane 
and we have to deal with everyday life. However, one difference between us and the disciples is that we can share our experience with the rest of the world. And we can do that because Jesus has risen. Amen.